Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Can we just offer thanks and praise to him? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this day. This day and every day is a gift from you. And Lord, we want to do things in this day that offer up gifts back to you. Sacrifices of praise. Thank you for this gathering today. Thank you, Lord, for the church of the living God that you are building it. And Lord, you've called us as partners along your side to build this with you. And Lord, as we're building the church, we understand that we're building lives. And I pray, God, that your people would be built today. They would be strengthened. I thank you, Lord, for that, that they, no matter what situation they may be in, in this moment, but they would be prisoners of hope. Only imprisoned in hope. And I thank you, Lord, that you give us a hope that does not disappoint. This is not a wishful thinking. This is not a crossing of our fingers, a rolling of the dice. Oh, no, no, no. This hope is an anchor for our soul. It's sure and it's steadfast. And this hope is found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for that blessed hope that we have today. Because with you, all things are possible. Well, that's good to know, isn't it? With God, all things are possible. You might be in a situation right now that it seems a little bit impossible. Well, just think about this. I think it was Audrey Hepburn that actually said this. She said, just think of the first two letters in impossible. I'm possible. (laughs) Amen. With God, all things are possible. So I want to just remind you of that today. And We've been um, in this series where I asked you what you wanted me to preach on, and many of you responded, and I, th- I appreciate your response, and so we've been uh, discussing the things that you wanted me to discuss, and the first three weeks was on prayer because that was the biggest request, was on the subject of prayer, and we covered that, and then uh, the next biggest request was on the person of the Holy Spirit, um, who he is what his function is, you know, as, as God and his gifts, what, what are these gifts and, and what are they for and how do I activate those gifts in my life? What does that look like? So uh, last week we talked about that the heavenly, our Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. You know, there is an experience when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, when you believe that he died for your sins and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, and you believe that he did that for you, then the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, comes into your life and stays with you. And he's there all the time. It's, it's the indwelling of the Spirit. But then there's another experience with the Spirit that the Lord offers us. And I call it the on-dwelling. There's the in and the on of the Spirit. And this is where we see uh, what happened in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so there was this physical manifestation of the Spirit's work, and that was they spoke in other tongues. And it was the not tongues of their own, not tongues that were fabricated from their, their own faculty of thinking and reasoning, but it was from the very depths of their spirit. And Paul later taught in 1 Corinthians 14 that he who prays in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, and he speaks mysteries and, or the secrets of God. It's a, it's a marvelous, marvelous, supernatural 
uh, thing, and it's a, it's a wonderful connection to God, and I, I praise God for that. And uh, so we're going to talk, and anyway, so last week when we talked about the Spirit and, and the Heavenly Father, He's nothing to be afraid of, you know, and um, there have been misuses and um, um, bad teaching about the things of the Spirit and, and bad experiences. You know, I grew up in a, in a little Pentecostal church in southern Oklahoma where the wild things are. And it was a wild little church. And uh, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that, that it was, I was raised with the people who were zealous for the things of God, but also understanding that there was a level of ignorance about the things of God too, and the order and the, the, the real purpose and function of the things of the Spirit. And so uh, we need both things, right? We need, come on, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, we want Him to manifest Himself in our presence, and, and sometimes it's... It's, it's in signs and wonders, you know. Sometimes it just kind of leaves us wondering. I like that it just says wonders because it just leaves you going, I wonder what that was. But, uh, but then there are very specific uh, things of the Spirit that we can articulate so that we can experience those things in our lives. And all these gifts have been given for us to experience as the body of Christ. And, and the Scripture says it is for the profit of all and for the edification of the church. These things are here to build your life, to edify you, to exhort you, to encourage you, to comfort you. And uh, so it's, it's not about it just weird stuff, right? It's not, it's not about that. But the, and so as a result, I talked about why sometimes the thing, the subject of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is a bit daunting to some because maybe they've seen uh, misuse and mispractice of the things of the Spirit. or So they shy away from that. You know, in the name of, I don't want to be weird, and I don't want to be associated with that. But then there's the thought of, well, I don't really want to say what I don't, I don't want the Holy Spirit to make me say what I want to say. Might be afraid of the Spirit controlling your life. And I talked about one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. He's not controlling you, but he gives you self-control <laughs> that, is, that is influenced by him. I love this about the Spirit of God. Jesus said that the helper is coming. That's what he told his disciples, the helper. He's here to help you. He's not here to harm you. He's not here to hurt you. He's here to help you. And so that word helper means called to one's aid. He's here to aid you. He's here to, to be your strength, to be your comfort, to be a very present help in times of trouble. And um, in, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, Paul t takes us into uh, the church, into the body of Christ, and then begins to describe uh, these aspects of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. All right, are you with me? Okay, verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Notice all of the diversity, but the same God. Then, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for what? For the profit of all. All right, this is to add to your life. This is to bless you. This is to build you. This is to help you. For to one, and these, these are those manifestations, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge 
through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings. Aren't you glad it's healings? Plural, by the same Spirit. To another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, let's jump down to verse 27, Brooke. 27 and 28 of this same chapter, if you would. It says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God, verse 28, has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings. Look at the next word. Helps. Administrations, varieties of tongues. I think it's so cool that helps follows the gift of healings. It's, it's in the same list. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Gifts of healings, helps. If it's helping somebody, it's by the Spirit. That's good to know. And that is just as much the Spirit as working of miracles. That is just as much of the Spirit as prophesying. These are all by the Spirit of God. If you're helping somebody, really helping somebody, then you're being led by the Spirit. Because all of those gifts are given to us, and these are ways that God can show his love to people. I want to be one that God can express his love through to somebody else. I think all of us here in this room today, as, especially as children of God, we have a desire to impact other people's lives, to leave a mark with somebody. Hmm? To, and that means our life counts for something then. And because we have the nature of God now as born-again children of God, then we understand that to love someone is to give. God so loved the world that he gave. And so these gifts that God wants to distribute through willing vessels is a way that he can, again, show someone his love. Yeah. I've been amazed by this. I want to talk about some of these um, manifestations here that we, that we just talked about. One being the word of knowledge. Uh, the word of knowledge, usually the, when somebody is um, speaking to someone with the word of knowledge, it usually has to do with something that they're presently dealing with, something that they already know in their heart to be true, or maybe something that's just working in their heart, and the Lord speaks through someone right into that subject. I'll give you an example. I told the, our 930 service this, that I can remember several years, that's been many years ago now, 120 years probably. Wow. Wow, Granny, we're getting old, ain't we? Uh, no, you're not. And I was at this meeting in Lockhart, Texas, and at this time in my life, I was just in this, I was just torn because I, um, I was in music ministry in our church, and, and I loved it, loved writing songs, and uh, this guitar player over here, Potsy, he and I had a rock band, and we did that for many years together, toured around, and it was, it was great, but I had this yearning and this burning to preach, and I had that since I was 10 years old. I told you all the story that the day that God called me to preach, March 30th, 1982, I'll never forget it. It was just, I knew he marked me, and I knew that I was supposed to preach. That's really all I knew about it, I'm supposed to preach. But I hadn't really 
gotten to do that very much, but it was burning in me. Even though I was loving what I was doing, I knew that's ultimately what God called me to do. So I, I was just in this limbo. I was just in this, I was torn apart about it. And I would talk to Heather about it, and she would, you know, pray for me and do whatever she could, but I just couldn't get peace because I kept wrestling with this thought. Am I out of the will of God? Because I, I know I'm supposed to, and I'm not doing that. And so I just wrestled with, God, am, am I doing what you want me to do? Even though I was doing a lot of good things. And when I was at this meeting, this preacher, this pastor, his name was Walter Hallam, he uh, had spoke for a while, and then he wanted to pray for people, and he called people forward so he could pray for us. And I don't even remember what it was that he would, this, he'd called, whatever our need was, but I remember I responded to it, and as I'm walking toward him, I get up out of my seat, I'm walking toward him, and he points his finger at me, and he says, writing songs. I didn't know this guy from Adam. Writing songs. I was like, okay, you have my attention. And he says, but you're going to preach. You're doing this for now, but you're going to preach. But that time is not yet. You are exactly where God wants you to be. And I'm telling you, that cleared the clouds for me. I mean, I was like, God, that was so specific. It was, and the weight just came off of me, and I just came back into this rest and just let God do what he did. And the time surely came, and it is now. But word of knowledge, the word of knowledge comes, and this is where God lets you know that he knows what's in your heart because he looks at our hearts. He said, man looks at the outside, I look at the heart. And he cares so much about what's in our heart. The word of wisdom, uh, the nature of the word of wisdom is more looking down the road. It's more futuristic or more foretelling. Something that's coming, something for you to look forward to. Because here's the thing. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He declares the end from the beginning. So God knows what's down the road for you because he's down the road. And he's here and he's everywhere, right? So he speaks this wisdom into your life. Now listen, young people, as much as you can, get wisdom. And you're going to find that from older people, believe it or not. Because they've been down the road. They're, they're further along in life than you are. And they have some good things to tell you. And they can help you avoid a lot of trouble and a lot of roadblocks in your life if you'll take the time and stop just thinking, oh, they're dumb and old and irrelevant. But learn from them. Learn from them because they can, they can really help you. And, and this is the, the wisdom of God teaches us to look down the road and shows us these pictures. How many of you have ever received, um, like somebody prophesied over you something futuristic and it was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. That, that's like a long way from where I am. Anybody here? Let me see your hand right quick. Yeah, that's happened, that's happened to me too. But, here's the, but it, here's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is not like the wisdom of man. His ways are higher and his thoughts are higher. And many times when, the, when a word of wisdom comes, comes forth, it's usually so much bigger and grander than kind of how we see ourselves, you know? And you think, man, that seems so far-fetched. Yeah, that's God. <laughs> He's a lot bigger than you are. And he thinks better thoughts of you than you think of yourself. And he has a bigger plan and a bigger purpose for you than you can ever dream. So when that word of wisdom comes, what I want to encourage you to do is to receive it, is to receive it. I had a, a young man, uh, when I was youth pastor of our church, 
he, uh, it was a youth group that was visiting. We had kind of done this joint service with this other youth group. And, and uh, so we were going to pray for the kids. And there was a young man that was coming uh, to, for me to pray for him. And as he's approaching me, I heard in my head, flying planes, flying planes. And I thought, oh, that was weird. You know, why, why is that monkey running around in my head right now? I just thought it was just some random thing. And so um, uh, the kid came up and he just had some prayer for like, some, his school grades or something. He's like 14, 15 years old. So I prayed over him. But that kept coming up in my head. I'm like flying. But I said, hey, let me ask you a question. What do you want to do when you grow up? He said, I want to be a pilot. Wow. I was like, wow, that was God. That was God. Very interesting. I learned that just flowing or just releasing a word to someone when the Lord speaks something to you, don't first try to understand it yourself. And don't first try to make sense of it because that's not your job. You're the messenger. You're the messenger. God knows the heart. You don't know the heart. So he's going to say, and when he wants to use you, he's going to say something that's completely out of left field to you. But it could be the very, and probably is the very thing they need to hear. Matter of fact, come here, honeyhead. When I was in... Uh, the first time I went to South Africa in 2013, you'll have heard me tell a story, but this is, this is why I'm saying the, the kind of bizarre things of, of the spirit that you just had to be willing to be used by God. And I was in Johannesburg speaking in this church, and man, uh, the pastor then asked me, after I speak, and their services there are not like our services. They're like three to five hours long, right? So I've probably... And, and like, I'm used to preaching like I do here. And so when I'm, I'm about 30, 35 minutes into it, I'm like, I'm kind of done. The pastor's like, come on, let's go. I'm like, okay, you asked for it. So then, you know, you can preach like two hours there. You know, it's crazy. So it, it had already been kind of a long service. And it's somewhere around 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. Service had started it. And the pastor says, I want you to prophesy over people. I'm like, I don't want to prophesy over people. I want to go home and go to bed. Yeah, just being real. So I said, okay, well, that went till midnight. And I ended up prophesying over every person in the room. It was the longest night of my life, but it was exhilarating at the same time. I'd never, I just had never been used by God like that up to that point. But there's a woman, as I'm, I'm praying for people, and I'm telling you, this is what I hear the Lord say. He tells me, twirl her. And I don't have time to hesitate. Like, I'm, I'm like trying to just, I'm trying to get this done so I can go get out of there. Twirl her. So I just took her by the hand and just started doing this. Right? Just twirling like this. And, and as I'm doing this, in, now you gotta, I gotta tell you what's going on. In my head, I'm like, you're crazy. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Right? But, but at the same time, something starts happening in the room. I didn't, I saw this man standing in the back and the moment I started twirling, I saw his arms go out like this and then he starts running toward the front, toward this lady, right? And then I see people like, whoa, they're all shouting like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, I have to know what just happened. She had extreme vertigo and her husband said, he said that, he said, sometimes my wife could just look sideways and just fall to the ground. And 
So when you took her and started twirling her, he said, I just knew she was going to fall. So that's why he was running up to catch her, knowing that this idiot from America didn't know what the heck was going on. (laughs) But then she stayed up. She stayed up. And that night she was completely healed of vertigo. And the last time Heather and I went, which was last year, or was that year before, and uh, got to see her and her husband, she says, still healed. Still healed. Make sense of that, right? Just, you just got to be led by the Lord because he knows what he's doing. And, and being used, and the expression of the gifts is really a marvelous adventure. It's such a marvelous adventure. And this is where you know that God can be trusted. God is good. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Thank you, Lord, for that. So um, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Then there's the discerning of spirits. And this has to do with whether you can discern if something is of God or of not, or of, of the devil. And this really more has to do with the angelic realm, all right, to discern whether something is good or evil. And, and, and some people think they have the spirit of discernment, but they're just negative people. And uh, everything's like, I'm sensing. I'm like, shut up. Come on. This, these gifts of the spirit are to build, right? And to, all right, we're not living in the Old Testament. All right, these, these gifts, now it's a day of grace. And these are graces from God. So, um, uh, what was I saying? What day is it? <laughs> yeah, discernment. Discern, discern. And, and now you can discern uh, the, the evil things. And like, I noticed that, that people who are particularly gifted with prophecy tend to be more in tune with the discerning of spirits. Like uh, uh, Daniel Plowman and I were driving through India and we were driving, it was like a two and a half hour drive to this place out in the middle of nowhere to minister. And as we're driving out there, we drive through this city. And I'm, I'm kind of like half asleep in the car. And, and we drive through the city and Daniel goes, oh, man. He goes, man, there's something. This is an evil place, this city. I'm like, man, I don't know what in the heck you're sensing. <laughs> It's moments like that. I'm like, do I even know God? I mean, what, what are you feeling over here? Right? But he's, he's prophetic in nature, so he tends to be more in tune with that kind of thing. Discerning experiences is nothing you know, to be afraid of, but you need that gift for moments where you don't have answers. And uh, what time is it? 56. 11.56. Okay. I'm going to tell you this story then. I have a friend named, out in San Angelo named Jason Evans. And Jason uh, was a man that I, a young man that I mentored for many years uh, in, in worship music and taught him how to play the guitar. And then he just surpassed me in the guitar and uh, just loved him. He was so hungry to learn and just a good, good young man. Well, when we, we moved to McKinney, I kind of lost touch with him and his, and his wife. Well, I had heard that they were not they just kind of quit going to church, which surprised me because he was just so on fire for God. And, but they had had some hiccups happen along the way and just they'd moved out of, of town, kind of out in the country. And just that distance kind of gave them one more excuse not to go to church. You know how it happens. It's, it's easy to get out of church, yeah. right? Yeah. It's staying that, that, is, that can be the challenge. That's why you have to make a commitment that you're a church goer no matter what. If you, if you wait till Sunday morning to decide whether you're going, probably not going to go, right? If you just decide, I go to church on Sundays, then you'll go. Good preaching. All right, anyway. 
So Jason calls me. This has been maybe two or three years after we had moved here. He calls me and he says, um, hey, Eric, I'm, I'm in a pickle here and I just need some wisdom, need some help. I said, what's up? He said, well, my daughter, um, at the time she was about two or three years old, he said, here recently she started talking about this person named Cyrus. And, um, and he said she would th- say things like, Dad, Cyrus is mean to me. Oh, yeah? How is Cyrus mean to you? He has red, stinky eyes, and he bites me. And he was like, now that's a weird imaginary friend. And he's like, well, you tell Cyrus to leave you alone, you know? He's just thinking that she's in playland, you know? But that, the, the description was awfully weird for a little girl. Well, this happened a few more times. She was afraid then to go to bed, and she would say, Dad, I'm, I don't want Cyrus to come and bite my legs. He said, hey, no, come bite your legs, you know? It's okay. Well, one day, while Jason's at work, his wife Mandy calls him. She says, honey, I don't know what you're doing. I know you're at work, but I need you home right now. I don't know. I can't console our daughter. All she's doing is staring out the front door and screaming, there's Cyrus. Don't let him in. Don't let him in. So Jason comes home and he gets his daughter calmed down and he's like, what is going on here? Well, they had some neighbors move about a quarter mile down the road from them. So he thought maybe he would ask them if there's a Cyrus, if they knew of a Cyrus, and it'd be a good opportunity to welcome them, welcome them to the country neighborhood. So he made his way down there and knocked on the front door of the neighbor's house. A lady opens and he said it was immediately odd. Because behind her, he said, I could see all these candles lit in the house, and it was just a weird kind of situation. He said, I, I said, hey, I'm Jason, I'm your neighbor down here, just wanted to meet you. And he said, well, so after we did a little small talk, he said, I finally just said, do you happen to know anyone named Cyrus? And he said, the woman went, yes, Cyrus was, I have a nephew named Cyrus who was recently killed in a hunting accident. And he said, really, let me tell you a story. So he starts telling her the story. And this woman's like, you got to get off my property. And she slams the door in his face, you know, and he's like, what the heck was that about? And then he calls me. I said, Jason, you've been out of church too long. I said, whatever this person's doing over here, trying to have some kind of contact with the dead, well, they've conjured up a devil, and that devil's trespassing on your property. What you need to do is go outside and tell that devil he's trespassing and he's not welcome on your property ever again and to leave you alone in the name of Jesus. He said, that's all I need to do? I said, is that name not enough for you? He said, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. Also, get back in church. I, I didn't hear from him for a little while. Then he, a few weeks later, he calls me and he says, hey man, I gotta tell you something. That worked. He said, I went out and did exactly what you told me to do. He said, my daughter's been completely free. Cyrus has never shown back up. I said, there you go. It's called the discerning of spirits. And he said, and by the way, I'm back in church. And he hasn't been out of church since, so praise God. That got him right back in the house of God. Listen, you discern spirits in, in knowing that so that if it is not of God, then you need to take authority. Right. There ain't nothing to be afraid of. The devil ain't nothing to be afraid of. He's defeated. He's completely and utterly defeated. And you have all the authority in the name of Jesus to set the captives free. 
to cast out devils. Amen. And to tell him to go back to the pit of hell where he belongs. But then there are the angels of God, my family. And, we, and I think many times we're not aware enough of these angels who are at our service. The scripture says they are our servants. And they're waiting on you and I. They're waiting on your command. Put them to work for you. Amen. Station the angels of God around you and your family. Amen. I, I don't know how many times I've lost something. I learned this from my mama. I lost something and said, okay, angels, I need you to go find it. And man, they'll do it. They'll do it. It's extraordinary. Then there's also the gifts of healings. And these things happen in an atmosphere most of the time where people believe God. The atmosphere of faith is where we tend to see miracles. He who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it because you keep the rules or does he do it by the hearing of faith? Amen. Amen. Because we believe God. And we believe in healings. And many of these healings are manifest. You know, the, he, the healing, healing is your natural, uh, your body is naturally made to heal itself. It, it, will, it will heal itself. Uh, and God designed us that way. Isn't that extraordinary? So a lot of times that gift of healing just speeds up that natural process till you're completely healed. Now, a miracle is a different deal. That's when you need that supernatural intervention, right? The dead... They come raised to life. That happens by a miracle. That body didn't just get healed. It didn't need healing. It needed life, right? Uh, somebody's arm grows out. Now, that would be a miracle, right? So uh, that's, that's the supernatural intervention in the natural course of, of, of events. But there's these working of miracles. There's, there's gifts of healings. There's faith, the gift of faith, which is an awesome gift. And, um, but this is where the Spirit helps us even in our unbelief. This is not talking about the faith that we have that we grow in and that we are, we are called to, to, uh, by God to keep hearing the Word of God and growing in faith and building ourselves up on our faith. This is a, a, just a gift from the Spirit at times. I don't have time to go into a story on that, but we'll maybe do that next week. But these things are here for us. These gifts are manifestations of the Spirit. And Paul later says, but if I do any of these, if I prophesy... If I had all the faith that I can move mountains and I don't have love, it means nothing. It means nothing because these are expressions of the love of God. And what Paul says is, I have not love. In other words, what he's, he's not saying that I don't have love for others. He's saying I don't possess the love of God for myself. If you don't know and if you have not accepted that you are love first, how can you possibly... Express the love of God if you've not experienced it for yourself. Hmm? That's called first love, that he first loved you. Hmm? And when you receive his love, God loves me. I'm not just a vessel. I'm not just a conduit for God to get blessings to other people. God wants me blessed. God loves me. And I accept that. And it'll make you much better minister of that when you first receive it. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for all these precious families that are represented here. And I pray, God, that grace and peace will be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you just take a moment and just say, Lord, I want to be used by you. I want these gifts in operation in my life. I want to I show your love to others. Use me for your glory. I, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm, I just want to 
do what you want me to do, and I'll do that. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll, I'll go where you want me to go. I'm yielded to you. I want to enjoy the adventure of life in the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Right now, right now, the anointing is, is, is I just, it just came up in my spirit. The anointing for healing is here. Right now, if you need healing in your body, I want you to raise your hand. He's here for you right now. He's talking to you. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Right now, you see him. You see him, and I thank you right now that the anointing, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God is at work in these bodies. In the name of Jesus. Every tissue, every cell, and every fiber of their being shall operate and function at peak proficiency because Jesus Christ took stripes upon his back and paid for with his own blood their healing. It's done and it is finished. And I thank you right now for it. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I also saw um, earlier um, in the worship service... Um, Man, I just sensed the uh, just grief from the Lord. It was, um, I saw somebody eating, uh, uh, there was a bowl cut in half, eating cereal out of half a bowl and thinking that that would satisfy and that's all you need and afraid to ask for bigger and more because you've settled in where you are. And the Lord is grieved about that. He's grieved about that because he has a desire for you for so much more. And what he says to you is, ask me. Ask me. Ask me. I'm the God of more than enough. Ask me. I'll give it to you. Believe that I can, that I will, and that I want to. Receive his his abundance right now. Mm, Thank you, Lord, right now. That that complacency is shattered. That settling is shattered. That dis- the reason they, maybe the reason they stopped where they are is because they got disappointed. They got discouraged. But no, 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 no. No, no, no. You are the God of hope. You are the healer. You are the restorer. You are the provider. So right now, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for that mindset now, that stronghold being torn down and faith to rise to get and to receive all that God has for them. Oh, it's good. He wants you to know the fullness, the fullness in Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.